Welcome to The Surpassing Worth, a podcast where we study scripture, know Christ deeper, and treasure him above all things. This is your host, Cole. Thanks for joining me. All right, welcome back to the podcast. In this devotion, we're continuing our series in 2 Corinthians. So last week, just by way of recap, we looked at the intro to this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And the main theme of that devotion was that God is the God of all comfort, that in our affliction by living life in a fallen world, we know that God will comfort us. And we basically related this to the sufferings of Christ. Then in verse 5, Paul says that just as we um, suffer, we also relate and suffer with Christ. And we know that Jesus himself, our God, was a man of sorrows, that he came and lived in a fallen world. He bore um, our griefs. He bore ultimately our sin to the point of death on a cross, but he was raised to a new life. And so it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross and his own suffering. So that really is the example of all suffering that we face as Christians, is that we relate our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ, knowing that one day they will all be gone because Christ has won the victory over death itself and will bring us into eternity free from comfort. So in this earth now, while we face many trials and afflictions, we have ultimate comfort through the God of all comfort, Jesus himself, who has borne our sorrows and griefs. But in this devotional, we're going to look at verses 8 through 11, and we're going to look at Paul's personal experience with affliction, and we're going to find some surprising information about Paul, the great apostle and missionary. So join with me in reading verses 8 through 11 of chapter 1. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So in this section of verses, we get an interesting insight into the life of Paul the Apostle. And what I think is really sweet about these verses is that Paul could have left them out. Really, if he left it out, it wouldn't have changed anything about the message that he was teaching, is that God is the God of comfort through suffering. But he included these three verses to show his own weakness and how it points to God's glory. And I love that because oftentimes we think that the people of the Bible and these super Christians in the Bible, especially Paul, was beyond weakness and was just this great man who um, did great things for God and, you know, never experienced trouble and was just a stoic soldier for Christ. But that is just not true. Rather, he was a human in every way, just like us, and he experienced deep affliction. So one thing we can learn from this is that Even godly people, even the most godly Christians, experience deep affliction and suffering. And in fact, I would say that's probably one of the the hallmarks of godly Christians is that they relate their sufferings and their trials and their afflictions and their persecutions to relating to Christ. Look at what Paul says in verse 8. He says, 
We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond strength that we despaired of life itself. So he tells this Corinthian church, listen, we don't want you to be unaware of what we ourselves have experienced. This is important for us. We don't need to hide ourselves in a bubble and think that um, if we suffer, we can't tell anyone else that it's a sign of weakness, that if we show our weakness to uh, brothers and sisters whom we trust, that that's a sign of failure and a sign of weakness in God's kingdom. Rather, Paul's saying, no, I'm going to tell you about my suffering because I'm going to show how God gets glory through it. And in fact, I don't have to be perfect because my Savior is perfect. My weakness is a sign of his strength. And that's what we're going to learn later in 2 Corinthians. So he's telling the Corinthians, listen, my weakness is not a sign of failure in ministry or in life, in the Christian life. Rather, it's a sign that God is stronger than me, that God is stronger than my circumstances. Paul tells us his feelings. He says, there was at one point we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul was grieving this life. He was longing for heaven. He was longing for something greater. He was feeling the pains of living life in a fallen world. Have you ever felt that way? I know that personally I have. In my teenage years, um, I struggled a lot with depression, seasons of depression and anxiety, where I felt just despairing of life itself at times. Because here's the truth. Life in a fallen world can get us down. That not... Everything is not as it seems in life in a fallen world. Rather, it can hit us hard. Death is real. Suffering is real. Health issues are real. These things are real, and we face them. And as Christians, just because we're saved by the blood of Christ does not give us a hall pass from suffering. Rather, it's in that suffering that we hope in God and hope in the future redemption that will come when Jesus returns. Paul says, We despaired of life itself. I think he's showing us his weakness so that he can comfort us as well because he testified earlier last week that we looked at, he received the comfort from God that only comes from God. And so if Paul experienced despair of life itself and received comfort, then we too can do that also by hoping in God. And this is how uh, we receive that comfort. Verse nine, Paul says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So he's under the weight of death. He feels like at any moment he can die. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is the pinnacle of all suffering in the Christian life is that it's meant to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, it can be easy to question God, what he's doing in our lives when he brings us through heartaching sufferings and loss and death and pain, um, losing a loved one or a miscarriage or seasons of depression or anxiety. It can be really hard to trust in God in those moments in the midst of the pain. And that pain is real, and we need to acknowledge that and cry out to God like David in the Psalms. God, why does it feel like you've forsaken me? Why are my tears my food day and night? Soul, why are you downcast within me? But look what Paul came around to. He said, this was to make me rely, not on myself, but on God. Our suffering can do one of two things. It can either harden our hearts so hard against God that we decry him and get angry and bitter at him. Or it can bring us down into the dust of humility 
to where all we can do is bow and say, Lord, you know greater than I. I'm going to trust you despite the pain I feel, knowing that you are my everlasting hope. I don't know why you're bringing me through this, but I trust that in the end, because you've shown your love for me through Christ, that it will work out for my ultimate good and your ultimate glory. Charles Spurgeon, who suffered with depression and gout, physical ailments as well as mental ailments, um, said at one point that I have learned to kiss the waves which throw me up against the rock of ages. This is basically the same thing that Paul is saying, that Paul saying, my sufferings made me rely not on myself, but on God who raises the dead. Spurgeon said, I've learned to kiss the waves, the suffering, the ailments, the doubt, the depression, the gout, that throw me up against Christ, who is the rock of ages, the only firm foundation. Because look at the hope. God is the one who raises the dead. Who else can do that? What other person, what other source of hope in this world? No political power, no money, nothing else can raise the dead. Only God, only Jesus Christ has raised the dead. So there's no other place to put our hope except in him who has been risen from the dead and who has defeated death. So this is the point. And look at what Paul says in verse 10. He's going to relate it now to himself. He says, God delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So Paul says that God delivered us from such a deadly peril. He's he's here to write this letter to testify that God delivered him from this deadly peril. But Paul knew that it didn't necessarily mean that he would be delivered from death. There's no certainty in life. We don't know the time, the day, the hour that God will choose to take us from this world. But Paul trusted in God's deliverance because he knew God's character. First, he knew that God first saved Paul by canceling his debt through the cross, but also that he raised Christ from the dead. And so the eternal hope that comes from the death and resurrection of Christ gives Paul and should give us assurance that God will be with us as well to deliver us again and again. Now, again, we don't know exactly when we will pass through um, the, the final hour of life and into death to be with Christ. But we do know that from our salvation to Christ's return or our death, that God has our lives in the palm of his hand. Because if God has saved us, if God has secured our eternity through Christ, how will he not also protect us throughout the rest of life? And so we have nothing to fear. And this is indeed what Paul says elsewhere in in his letter to the Philippians. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because I know that if I die, the worst thing that can happen to me is that I'm with Christ. And that's actually the best thing that can happen to me. So however I live and whatever I live for, I'm going to live it for Jesus Christ because to live is him. To die is to gain him. So we too, Christians, should set our hope that this life is for Christ and that our death ultimately will be for Christ as well because we will be with him. This is the point of all Christian hope is that it looks back to the cross. It looks back to what Jesus has done that because he has secured our eternity, that because you are a sheep of the good shepherd, that because you are a child of the father, that there's nothing in this life that can separate you from the love of Christ. Therefore, your hope is secured on the rock of ages. Then you also look forward to the hope that he will deliver you again. So whatever trial you're facing now, whatever suffering you're facing, God will be faithful to deliver you. It might not look like what you think deliverance is. 
And oftentimes when we think of deliverance, we just think of being free from any suffering. Rather, it's that in the suffering, God will be faithful to deliver us time and time again, that he will be with us. He will be present. And ultimately what Paul says the the deliverance of Christ is, is his comfort, as we just looked at last week. The deliverance of God is receiving his comfort in the midst of that trial to then press forward in endurance until the hope of heaven. So our suffering should cast us upon God to make us rely on God and to hope in him. But then in verse 11, Paul ends this little section with an ask for help to his Corinthian church. He says, you also, church, must help me by prayer so that many will give thanks on on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul didn't discount the help that he could receive through the prayers of his people. And this goes back to the first point I made is that we shouldn't isolate ourselves in in a bubble of putting masks on and making others think that we're these super Christians that never experience suffering. Rather, we should have close people that we can abide in and, you know, be accountable to that when we are in the pains of life, that they will pray for us and will hold us up. And we should likewise do the same for others who share their sufferings with us. And listen to what Paul says. He says that I don't want you to just pray for me. um, So I get, you know, sympathy or woe is me. But he said, no, I want you to pray for me so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul wants his suffering to be used for God's glory. He knows that his suffering isn't just to get pats on the back for being a good Christian or for going through the furnace. Rather, his suffering is so that ultimately others will come to know Christ. I wonder how many of you listening have been through things that others who maybe don't know Christ have been through the exact same thing. And by you speaking out on how God has delivered you through specific sufferings, you could impact the lives of many. Our sufferings are not useless. Our sufferings are never wasted. God, being the great creator and faithful friend and the ultimate redeemer, is making all things new. And I believe that no suffering is wasted for God's kingdom. So believer, have hope in the God who raises the dead. Have hope in Jesus Christ who will return one day to raise you with him. And one day we'll, we'll all look back and know that everything was worth it. That these light and momentary struggles that we had were worth it. Because God used it to redeem us. To work all things together for our good and for his glory. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. I actually preached a sermon to uh, the elders of my church and my fellow residents whom I work alongside on this exact passage. So I'm actually going to post that also with this week's devotional just for more of a, a preaching setting. If you have a pastor in your life or just need encouragement uh, about ministry and the sufferings that come along with ministry, it's more tailored towards uh, people in the ministry and just enduring through the trials of ministry. But it applies to every Christian, just as this passage applies to every Christian. So if you would be encouraged by that, give it a listen and share it with somebody who you think would benefit from it as well. Again, thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.